Hey, this is Stu at Bitcoin Fi, the cross section between financial independence and crypto. I've been thinking about what I wanted to cover for the new year, and I wanted to share my overall financial and investing plan for the year 2022. But then I thought it might be useful to go back over my investing history and share how it's evolved over the years. So today I'm going to be going back over my 10 plus years of investing and I'm hopeful that there will be some lessons there that others can learn from. My investing life has happened in a few phases. When I was first getting started, it was 2009. I had just graduated high school and I was working a job delivering prescriptions for a local pharmacy. Now I had an interesting circumstance at this point in my life because I had a parent pass away a few years before that. And I had a mid five figure payout when I turned 18 from their life insurance policy. So here I was, 18, flush with cash. How would you handle that situation? It was definitely unique to be in that position with more cash than most 18-year-olds will ever see and could ever imagine. Like I said, it was a mid-five-figure sum. It was nothing I could retire off of or anything. But many in my position probably would have blown their money on depreciating assets like cars, foods, dates, etc. Luckily, I mostly refrained from doing that. Although it definitely crossed my mind to buy a brand new Tacoma pickup truck. I definitely thought about it. But fortunately, I sat on it for several months. And over the summer, after I had graduated high school, my dad was pushing me to open a Roth IRA and start investing. Now, my dad and I didn't get along very well at the time. So I wasn't really too interested in hearing what he had to say. But before I had left for my first semester of college, I did have a Roth IRA in place with a platform called ScotTrade. ScotTrade was later acquired by TD Ameritrade, and this is also before trades were free. Trades used to cost $7, so whenever I wanted to buy something or sell something, it would cost me $7. With my new Roth IRA, I mostly ended up invested in SPY. It's a S&P 500 index fund. And what that does is it tracks the 500 largest companies in America across all of the sectors of the economy from technology, consumer goods, energy, etc. It covers just about everything. Now I also bought some Google and some 3D printing stocks and some solar stocks. I did virtually no research. I also bought some Berkshire Hathaway B shares and over the years the things that really carried my portfolio were Google, Berkshire B-Shares, and the ticker SPY, S&P 500 Index Fund. Those did most of the heavy lifting in my portfolio, and everything else just kind of went sideways, up and down at times. I had bought into the 3D printed stocks at the wrong time, and many I ended up selling for a loss and just going back into the index fund. But I was able to max it in the year 2009 and also the year 2010. And after that one year of college, I had decided to go on a two-year service mission for my church. My dad paid half of the expense, and I paid the other half. So that cost me about $5,000 that I just dropped everything to go on this service mission. After two years, I got home in the middle of the summer with just two months to go before school. So it was kind of an awkward time frame. It's not like I had the whole summer to work. And luckily, I had made some connections with some people about a year earlier that had a pest control business. Now, I'm from the western side of the U.S., and there's not a lot of humidity or bugs out there. 
pest control was kind of growing as an industry at the time and my dad thought it was crazy but I was like you know what I'm going to go try this out for two months because I have nothing else going on and it ended up going pretty well. I was back in the south I was selling door to door all day every day but it's actually insanely lucrative. I worked very hard I picked it up pretty quick and in six weeks I had made about $10,000. So once again I had a good amount of cash laying around I didn't actually work during school and I just focused on my grades and figuring out a career. The college that I went to was a small private school that was pretty low cost and high value. It's hard to find better bang for your buck than the college I went to and I was able to live on about $10,000 a year in school so I was set after my earnings in that short six week summer sales experience. I ended up selling pest control again the following summer in a new location, I helped open up an office because I had done so well in my short amount of time last year. And that summer, I pretty much paid for the rest of my degree. I made $40,000 and I also bought a certified used Toyota Corolla and went back to school. Again, didn't work, just focused on my grades. The summer after that, I had an internship and it was a pretty well paid internship but that was just required for me to graduate. So over these three years, I was maxing my Roth IRAs again, and I had some extra that I had put into a taxable account. And it was about this point when I was getting ready to graduate, I started learning more about Warren Buffett and Jack Bogle. Jack Bogle is the founder of Vanguard, one of my favorite places to invest. All this time, I was mostly indexing into the S&P 500, but I still had a few other bets here and there, most of which didn't do terribly well except for the Tesla stock that I had bought at 125 bucks a share. I ended up selling it at $400 a share before it split so I actually missed out on a huge opportunity there. I only had five shares at the time. I had put in about $600 and I sold for about $2,000. A 4x on my money but obviously I could have had much more than that if you know anything about how well Tesla has performed in the last couple of years. And it's funny because as I went to college, I would read financial articles between classes. I'd be reading Yahoo Finance most of the time, and I'm consuming all this content just throughout my day. And after I graduated, I had about a week or two before I started at my first full-time job. And I got on the computer one day just to read what I would normally read, and it took me about two hours to read that. So for most of college, I was reading about two hours a day of financial and investing content and I didn't even know it until I had graduated and I did it all in one sitting. So I had been accumulating a good solid base of knowledge. Moving on to the second phase of my investing history. I graduated and got married at virtually the same time. I got a job at a big tech company and I worked in support. My wife and I lived off of 50% of my take-home pay, my net pay, what I would see in my paycheck. I only invested 6% into my 401k to get the 3% match, but I always maxed out my health savings account for its triple tax benefits. Essentially, the money in HSA is never taxed if you use it correctly. I'll explain this really quickly because it's really cool. But the money goes in tax-free. It comes out tax-free, and you can invest it in an HSA tax-free. Due to its amazing tax treatment, I prioritize my HSA over every other investment account and I treat it basically like a retirement account. I don't use it very often, 
because my medical needs right now are not very much and the medical bills are likely to be much bigger when I'm old. So here's a quick hack about health savings accounts. There is no statute of limitations on when you can reimburse yourself at this time. So for example, I paid for one of my kids' birth in cash a few years ago, and I got a bunch of credit card points, but I kept a copy of the bill. If I'm ever in a pinch, I can go back and reimburse myself for that bill today. Even though that kid is almost six years old, that money has been in the stock market working for me for six years, paying quarterly dividends, and growing like crazy in this bull run that we've been on in the stock market. Even better is I could reimburse myself for that bill 40 years from now if I wanted to. All the while, the stocks are appreciating for me, going up and paying dividends, hopefully. So it's a pretty powerful investment tool. But there are two things you got to watch out for. Number one, the tax laws can change at some point. They can change the statute of limitation and tighten up the time frame allowed for reimbursements. So they could make it be like you have to reimburse yourself with one year, two year, five years, however long. But as you can see, this is a great kind of emergency fund hack for medical stuff because I'm building up this big pile that if anyone in our family ever had gotten in a car crash or gotten cancer or some other huge medical problem, I've got this money set aside specifically for medical stuff. And if I don't end up using it, it's perfect for my retirement. But just know that the tax laws could change at some point to tighten up these time frames when you can reimburse yourself. The second trick to reimbursing yourself later from an HSA is you have to keep all your receipts. The IRS will put the burden of proof on you. If you get audited and you can't match up receipts with what you've reimbursed yourself for, you might get in trouble and have some penalties. So what I recommend is maybe you have a file where you keep physical copies of all your medical receipts. It also might make sense to take a picture of them and store digital copies in the cloud somewhere. could be in Google Drive, for example, or just in a specific photo album on your phone. And wherever you do it, you might make an album or a folder called Medical Receipts Unpaid and then make one for paid or reimbursed, something like that. And whenever you go to reimburse something, you can just move that picture over from one folder to the other and keep track of it that way. This is taking it to a more extreme level, but I do tend to save receipts even for small medical expenses like allergy pills that are often mixed in with my groceries or cough drops, or just whenever you stock up on medication or band-aids for your kids or whatever, you can actually save those and add up all those little tiny receipts and if you wanted to tap your HSA money and kind of have that as an emergency fund, that's one way you can do it, is keep all these receipts. So even if it's just a few bucks here or there, you never know what life is going to throw at you, but it's always good to have those options. So that's why I do what I do. One last thing is sometimes the rules change on what is reimbursable and what is not. So you might want to be aware of that. Okay, moving on. While I was working this job in tech support, I started reading about one blog article a day from Mr. Money Mustache. He's a guy that basically saved a lot of his income, lived very frugally for about eight years, and then was able to retire at the age of 29. I found this super fascinating. I loved his writing style. It was very funny and interesting, the life that he had built for his family, and it was something I decided that I was going to work towards. This led me into something called the FIRE movement, which stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. There are many more blogs and podcasts about all of this stuff, 
and how you can gamify your taxes, do more side hustles and stuff. Some of my favorite places to look at this content is Paula Pant at Afford Anything, also Mad Fiantist, Go Curry Cracker. There's quite a few out there once you get down the rabbit hole. But that's kind of where my investing mindset started to go. I wasn't a minimalist or anything, but we were just very frugal, very patient, and saving half our income. Whenever we wanted something, we tried to give ourselves time, like a washer and dryer. Instead of going and buying a new one, we would just wait for someone to get rid of a perfectly good one because they're moving and they have to sell right then. And sometimes when people are in a pinch, you get a better deal. If you can be patient, sometimes you can find the things that you need. Try to buy yourself that time and that space in your life. And that's what we would do with even our apartment. We were able to find a place to live for 25% less than everyone else that I worked with that was living in the big apartment complex. I found a little place for 900 a month where some of my coworkers that weren't looking at things the same way as I would would settle for something that cost 1200 and maybe was more than what they needed at the time. So it just kind of depends, but I always have this eye out for opportunities to save money and to optimize. As I learned more about Mr. Money Mustache and also the FIRE movement, the big thing there is passively managed index funds. You can have active managers that are paid to research and actively manage your fund, but when you factor in the fees, you're very likely to underperform the passive index funds. Active managers for a long time have only had about a 20% chance of beating the S&P 500, basically the average of the whole U.S. market. And when you factor in fees, it's even worse. So that's pretty much what I did. I would do passive funds in my 401k. I'd get the match. But a few years into my job, I had a house and I was maxing my Roth IRA, still buying mostly the S&P 500 index fund. I was also maxing my HSA and... Even though my wife worked at sometimes and didn't at others, regardless, you can actually open an IRA for a non-working spouse. So now I could max two Roth IRAs and my health savings account, and if I had more left over, my 401k. But I never went past the 401k match. So 2017, and I've talked about this in my introductory episode, I started dabbling into the cryptocurrency market with about $2,000. And I didn't know what I was doing. I did no research. I mostly went into Ethereum. And then from January to July of 2018, I mined Ethereum for about six months there. I had a friend help me build up this mining rig with GPUs. It had tons of problems. It crashed all the time. I barely knew enough to keep that thing running. But eventually, I ended up selling that mining rig, and I had to move for a job across the country. I continued doing the same investing but I got started listening into podcasts for the first time. Now with this cross-country move, I had been wanting to get into real estate, and so what we did is we cashed out our home equity, we sold that house, we downgraded to a small apartment, and one of the perks to our new area that we lived in was overall cheaper real estate, so we actually bought a condo and lowered our cost of living by a pretty good amount. We were able to invest a little bit more and save more. Eventually, we found an opportunity to buy a fixer-upper house, and we spent nine weeks and a bunch of money, way more money than we thought, about three times as much money as we originally estimated, and about three times more time than we estimated. We had to fix up this house, and we turned our condo into a small rental. 
Now, it only cash flows about $350 a month before you factor in that my mortgage is getting paid down and it's also a tax deduction. So that's been pretty good for me in the last year. I've got some really good tenants that are taking great care of the place and are super easy to work with. Now, another kind of shift that I had was in the fall of 2020. I have been on the Motley Fool's email list for almost as long as I've been investing. And they always intrigued me, and they finally got me. I paid $100 to join Motley Fool Stock Advisor. What I ended up doing was converting one of my Roth IRAs to go after some of the picks that they give you based on their research. I don't even read their research. They provide it. But I sold out of my index funds for the most part and blindly started buying into whatever stocks they told me to buy. And for 2020 and into the first half of 2021, a lot of those have done really good. Lately, a lot of them have declined. Also, at some point, I got into Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation Fund. I think it was back in 2017. And that had some huge gains in 2020, up over 100%. But it's down about 30 or 40% this year. So overall, I think it's been a good thing for me considering I was in it for a long time and it had some really great returns in 17, 18, 19, and 20, although this year it's kind of reverted to the mean. Finally, in the spring of 2021, I got back into crypto because after the price dropped, I totally lost interest in 2018. But at the beginning of this year, there were some more big price moves, some new all-time highs, and luckily I had never sold my Ethereum from 2017, and I got curious. I started looking around and learning more, Eventually, I came across Spencer Montgomery on LinkedIn, and I attended a webinar that he put on and then signed up for his course the next day. I got a much deeper understanding of everything with his weekly calls and coaching, and have since become a bit more self-sufficient in my research and understanding everything, and that's when I decided to launch my own podcast a few months ago. But that's my history. That's where I'm coming from. Today, I'm working for a tech startup. I've got my one rental my wife has a business that has tripled in the year 2021. We still, in 2021, we did the same thing. We maxed HSA, we maxed Roth IRAs. And the only real difference is that I only put 1% into my Roth 401k now because I don't have a match. But I do just want it set up for whenever I do get a match, whenever the company adds that. I'm still paying down some 0% home renovation debt and I'm also buying more Bitcoin and saving up more cash for an investment property. Over the years since college, I have job hopped mostly strategically, but not always on purpose or what I wanted to do, but I have job hopped enough, and I've increased my income since my first job by 65% in the last few years. And if you're hearing all this and you're feeling a little bit discouraged about how you're going to get to this point, maybe you're still struggling to save and invest, don't get discouraged. That's why I want to put out this podcast is to help you learn what I've learned over the years. And I'll just share that I've never made six figures in my day job. But depending on how things go, there's a chance that I get there next year. Okay, so that's all I have for today. And what I've done in the past kind of goes along with episode four of my podcast, Investing Order of Operations. Next week, I'm going to share where I'm going and what I'm planning to do differently in the year 2022 and why. And remember that none of this is financial advice. It's all for entertainment purposes, so please do your own research. Also, if you feel so inclined, leave a review, and know that you can also reach out and leave a message on my contact page, either a voice message or an email, 
If you have any questions that you want addressed on the show, at some point I'm going to set up a calendar thing, and if you want to book a 15-minute session with me just to talk and figure out if coaching is a fit for you, or maybe get some quick advice, I'll try to get that in place soon. And with that, just remember that financial independence is doable.